Well, good morning. Okay, so for the five of you that said it, you don't have to say it again, but good morning. Thank you, guys. You know, that really does make me feel better when you actually talk back to me. It doesn't make me feel as awkward up here. Uh, I'm really excited to be up here with you guys today, though, because we're starting a new sermon series. We've uh, wrapped up our last one, and we're going into one that's titled Ask It. This sermon series is going to be all about one question, the question of all questions, the question that will help us answer every single question we could possibly have. Uh, and life is filled with questions, you know? Should I buy it? Should I sell it? Should I stay with this person? Should I start the new job? Question after question. Some of you guys tonight at 5 o'clock are going to have another question. Should I come back to church at 6 for Thrive? And I can answer that one for you. It's yes. Uh, definitely come back. We're talking about fellowship tonight. Uh, but we have all these questions in life that we want answers to. And sometimes we answer them out of impulse. Sometimes we answer them out of our own reasoning. And we never ever look at this book for guidance, for wisdom, um, for help getting there. And so today I want to look at a passage of Scripture that I believe can help us if we use it as a filter, if we use it as a before we answer other questions kind of thing. Uh, it'll help us walk in a way that is wise. But before we get started, I know we're praying a lot today, but that's okay. Prayer is good. Would you pray with me one more time? God, just thank you so much for letting us be here today. Uh, God, I want to thank you for each person in this room. I know that you brought us in here for a reason. Uh, you brought us together for a purpose. And God, uh, today we're, as we talk about... Um, just your wisdom, God, and seeking that wisdom, and we read through Ephesians, would you just open our hearts to your words? Would you help us hear a message and help us have the strength uh, to act, to, to put our feet to these words, um, and not just leave here the same way we walked in, but leave here changed? God, I want to thank you for this church. I want to thank you for your love and your grace. God, thank you for just who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So like I said, uh, this ser uh, sermon series is all about uh, choices and answering these questions. Um, and so I figured I'd start out this morning sharing with you an experience where I made some pretty stupid choices. And this actually happened uh, this last week. On Thursday, Tyler and I decided that we wanted to go to Cedar Point. And so I figured that I would go up there with him, um, kind of as a graduation, um, you're in college now, adulthood kind of thing. Um, so right off the bat, that's probably a poor decision, putting us together in a car together, uh, going to the amusement park. Um, but it didn't stop there. So we ended up going up to Cedar Point. And um, as we were at Cedar Point, he got convinced me to ride a ride that went 140 miles per hour, not once, but twice, another poor decision on my part and my stomach. Um, but then we decided that we wanted to do something completely different. Um, I had never been to Cedar Point before, and so I didn't realize where it was located in Ohio. And so if you've never been there before, it's right around the Great Lakes. And so you can see all these beautiful lakes when you're on the roller coasters. And uh, we decided that it would be a great idea, since we were so close to Michigan, to drive to Detroit after we left the park. Now, we left the park around 8.30, and we got some food. So that put us in Detroit around midnight. Another really, really, really dumb decision. Um, we probably saw three drug deals in the matter of five minutes, and uh, we rolled in listening to Christian music, and Tyler quickly told us to change the music to be more culturally relevant. Um, it was definitely an experience, and uh, that wasn't the worst decisions we made that night, believe it or not. Um, as we were driving around looking at different things, we went up on this exit, but I wasn't really paying attention at the time. And uh, about the time we looked up, we had already gone too far on the exit to turn around. We saw a sign that said, no reentry to the United States. The reason it said that is because we were on the Ambassador's Bridge heading towards Canada. 
And so about this time, me and Tyler start freaking out a little bit. And I'm like, dude, get on your phone. Check out if we need a passport. Like, I don't, I don't know. I've never been to another country before in my life. And so he's on his phone trying to figure it out. And he finds these um, articles, two different ones. One is from 2008, I think, and the other one is current. Well, he decided he would read the old one that happened before they passed an act that said you needed a passport. So he's like, oh, we're good to go. We're good to go, man. So we get to Border Patrol, and uh, we think that everything's going to be okay. You know, we go through it. Immediately, the guy's looking at us like we're two idiots, you know. You can just tell he's like Americans, you know. And uh, he finally lets us drive through the gate, and he says, we have a few more questions for you. Just go park in that parking spot. And so me and Tyler think we're in the clear, you know. We're confident. We're excited. We're in Canada. You know, it's awesome. He's getting geeked up because his phone texted him and said, welcome to Canada. Data rates may apply. And I'm like, don't text. Your dad will kill me. Um, And so we're waiting over in this car for more questions. And about that time, seven armed police officers come out to our car, tell me to turn off the keys, hand them the keys, and get up against the wall. They destroyed my car searching it. We sat in a room with an immigrant officer for about an hour as he grilled us with questions. And when he asked me what I did for a living and I told him, Pastor, he didn't believe me. (laughs) Um... But finally, he said, you know what? There's enough evidence here. We have sufficient evidence that you guys are Americans. And he let us go into Canada. And so we were so excited. We were all, you know, happy. We finally made it in. We were like, we felt really cool because we got in without passports, you know. And uh, we're walking around Ontario, Canada. And I look at Tyler and I said, you know what? We have to go back at some point tonight. (laughs) And uh, it's probably not going to be as easy. And I was accurate in that assumption. (laughs) Um, the only good thing that came out of Canada is we got $15 maple syrup. Um, but we go back to go through Border Patrol again. And we're like, all right, we got to do this. We got to go back home. And the officer immediately says, I don't care what the Canadian person told you. Without a passport, we don't have to let you in. You're technically an illegal immigrant. And you could just see Tyler's face turn white as a ghost. I thought he was going to hit the floor. Yeah, I could talk about him because he's sitting right there. And he goes... Officer, if it's any uh, consolation or if it makes you feel better, I hate Canada. (laughs) And then he goes, I love America. And the officer looks at him and he says, that's what all illegal immigrants say. Thank you. (laughs) He said, go have a seat. So after waiting for four hours, uh, Tyler about wetting himself and me feeling like a horrible pastor and friend, um, they finally give us our keys and let us go home. Uh, But suffice it to say, that whole experience was filled with really, really stupid decisions. Um, Thanks, Mom. I can always count on you for that amen. But my point to that whole story is that we're talking about in this series seeking wisdom before we make choices. And I think that if I had to do all over again, I would probably take a second to actually think about what we were doing um, before we did it. And so... We're going to be looking at a question that comes from Scripture in Ephesians chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 5. But before we get into the Scripture, I want to kind of give you a background. Um, If you guys have been here the last couple of weeks, Kent's talked a little bit about Paul, the Apostle Paul. And he talked about his transformation from Saul to Paul. And if you weren't here, just to give you a little um, character profile of Paul. Paul was a guy who stepped onto the scene in history books as a man who hated the Christian church. He was a Jewish leader, and so basically the Christian church at the time was just a nuisance in the first century. It was like a cult to those people. And so he decided that he was going to not only persecute Christians, but throw them in jail and have them put to death. And so that's where we originally see Paul. But then we see in the text, in Scripture, Paul undergoes this transformation. 
And one day, God comes into his life and radically changes his world. And he becomes this person who went from Christian hunter to this person who's a spiritual leader, one of the greatest missionaries of all time, writing nearly half of the New Testament. You see this amazing transformation. Uh, To give you some perspective, it would be like one day, you're a Democrat, and you're riding down the road, and you're on your way to work, and something just hits you. Something comes over you, and immediately you say, you know what, I'm going to be Republican from this day on. And not just that, but you go to work that day, and every single person who you know is Democratic, you're going to convert them to be a Republican, and if not, well, they're not going to be your friend anymore. You have this passion in your heart, or vice versa. You're a Republican, and one day you say, you know what, I'm feeling a little liberal. And you say, I'm going to be a Democrat for the rest of my life, but not just that. Your whole family is, and your friends, and if they're not, they're out of your life. Now, some of you guys might say, when you're talking about politics and switching parties, that that would take an act of God. And I think Paul would say, yep. That's actually exactly what happened in my life, an act of God. And so the reason I'm saying all of that is to say, you might not believe everything that's in this book today. You might be in this room, and you might not be a Christian. You might be skeptical of creation, of the the account of Noah and the ark, of stories that are in here. You might be very skeptical. But if you question that, I want to ask that you not question the story of a man. Paul was a man in history who experienced things, who went through transformation, who saw people Jesus knew. He wrote this letter probably 20 years after Jesus was on earth, so he saw these things. It was relevant to him. So can we learn from these words in this letter? He was writing to a church in Ephesus, and this letter is entitled Ephesians, but we know that it circulated all throughout the Mediterranean in all these churches. And basically, he was writing to a group of people who were a lot like us, a lot like the American church. Um, These were a group of people who were new believers, newly converted Christians. And so because they were new to it, they were still kind of getting some things wrong. They were still messing up, lusting, um, gossiping, having jealousy, all these things, all these problems that he wanted to point out to them to help them, really, really practical things. And so right before we're going to pick up in verse 15, he's talking to them about how they were once children of the darkness, but now they're children of the light and how their lives should look different. And so I want to read these verses to you, and I think that they can apply perfectly to right where we are as the church. Verse 15, it says this, Look carefully than how you walk. Look carefully than how you walk. Now, in some of your Bibles, it says, Look carefully than how you live. Uh, But I like the word walk because it's closer to the original translation, and it implies that walk is an everyday thing. Be careful every single day how you're living your life. And that word carefully, um, the Greek word for that is a a visual word. And so what he's saying is, is he's saying, look around, be observant. It's as if, uh, you know those TV shows where you see those pranks and they're trying to set all the mousetraps in the the classroom and the teacher's walking in and you're walking out trying to get away from them and then they all just go off when you hit one? It's kind of like that. He's saying, be prepared for those moments so you don't get caught in a snare. Look carefully. And then continuing on, it says, not unwise but is wise. And so we see a correlation there. If you're looking carefully at your circumstances, if you're looking carefully at the things that are going on around you, if you're being intentional, then you're wise. But if you're being uncareful, if you're living recklessly, if you're living day to day without ever going to this book, then you're unwise. And then in verse 16, it says, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Now, we're going to be talking more about time in a couple of weeks um, specifically, but basically what this is saying is he's saying, Your time here on earth is not that much. And so what you need to do is redeem that time with the life God has given you. And don't trust the day because it will deceive you because it's evil. 
Basically, what he was saying is, if those people were to pick up their feet and just go with the flow of culture, go with the flow of what was normal, uh, that they would end up in a place that they didn't want to be. And the same is true for us today. If we were to just pick up our feet and be deceived by the day, we would end up in a place that was broken, uh, in a place where we really, truly do not want to be. And then finally, in verse 17, this is where we'll stop. It says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. See, in verse 17, Paul kind of smacks Christians around a little bit. This is kind of a a harsh verse. It's kind of an in-your-face verse. Because basically what he's saying is, therefore, do not be foolish. He's saying, stop being so stupid. His word's not mine. He's saying, you know the will of God. He's saying, every person who's been converted into Christianity, you know what right is and what wrong is, but yet you continue to make excuses. You continue to justify and plead ignorance. And I'm tired of it. That's not what the church should look like. And I don't know about you, but I know a lot of people who have gotten really good at justifying things. I know a lot of people who have gotten really good at manipulating situations and then managing the consequences after the fact. Do you know anybody like that? I do because I see them in the mirror a lot. I struggle with that. I think it's a natural thing for us. But he's saying we have to cut out the excuses and we have to start living our life in the will of the Lord and we know what right is wrong. We know what's right and we know what's wrong. I think the target, though, here in this passage, the all-encompassing kind of verse for what he was trying to get across is in verse 15. And he said, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And so what is this um, question that answers all questions? I think very simply put, it's, Is this decision wise for me? Let's practice saying that as a church. Say Say this with me. Is this decision wise for me? Now notice that that question isn't, Is this decision good? Is this decision legal? Is this decision something that I've got away with in the past? But the question is, is this decision wise for me personally? And I think that this can be broken down in three parts. And um, as we go through this, it might make you feel a little uncomfortable. If it makes you feel uncomfortable, good, I'm doing my job. Um, But it, it might make you feel uncomfortable because it causes you to have to look at yourself. You know, every person's story is so different. There's footholds that you have that I don't have. There's struggles that you have that I don't struggle with. I might not know them, but Satan does. And those are the exact places where he's going to attack you. You know, he knows that if you're a Christian, that you're God's, that you belong to the kingdom of heaven. But while you're on earth, he is going to mess with you as much as he can if you let him. And what happens is, is we're pointed, and we're pumped up, and we come to church, and we're facing the cross, and we're facing God. But all it takes is one unwise decision, and slowly our feet shift. And it's bad choice after bad choice after bad choice that leads us in a place where we're facing the opposite direction of the cross, the opposite direction of the kingdom, and we feel distant and far apart from God. And those are the places in our life where we feel so lost and so confused. And that's not the abundant life that God has promised for his children and for his kingdom. And so these are the three parts of this question that I think we all need to ask as sort of a a, uh, front when looking at different questions on how we want to live our life and the choices that we want to make. The first one is this. Based on my past experiences, is this decision wise for me? Let's all say that. Based on my past experiences, is this decision wise for me? Now let me give you some examples of that. The last time I went back to that girl, what happened? Bad. The last time I left church thinking that getting away from it would make me feel whole, what happened? Bad. The last time I left that job thinking that I would find something else because I just felt lazy and kind of apathetic, what happened? 
See, when you ask this question, it keeps you in check. It doesn't allow you to just start making choices on your own reason, on your own accord. You have to go to something greater, something bigger, and that's God and his will. Second thing is this. So we have based on past circumstances. The second thing is this. Is this decision wise for me based on my current circumstance? Let's say that together. Is this decision wise for me based on my current circumstances? Maybe this is you. Um, I've always done this with the guys. We've always went out. We've always had a good time. We stayed out till 2 a.m. Um, but now your current circumstances have changed and you just got married. And you've realized really quickly that your wife doesn't really like that. And so you're faced with a decision. Am I going to go out with the boys tonight or am I going to stay home? If you're just acting on the past or if you're acting on your instinct, you're going to go out with the boys. But if you put it through this filter, it's going to save you a lot of trouble from your wife. Um, maybe for you it's finals week for school. And you have a group of friends that are going to go out to the gorge and they're going to take a few days off school. But you did really poorly last semester. And you know that you have to crush these finals in order to keep a good grade point average. So the question you have to ask yourself is not, is this decision good for my friends? Um, you don't have to think, well, I've done it before. I, I'll probably do it at some point in my life. But you have to say, based on my current circumstances, is this decision wise for me? Is this decision wise for me? And so it can be a number of things. Maybe it's for you, I just had my first kid. We just had our second kid. Third fourth, fifth. I mean, I have to keep going because some of you Baptists like to feel Catholic sometimes with the way you pop out children. Probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but my point is, your circumstances constantly are changing. And so to say that you're going to make the same decisions and choices based upon past, um, past decisions without ever going to the Bible, without ever turning to someone else or something else or bouncing it off of someone else is unwise. Is foolish. It's foolish to think that things don't constantly change. And the third thing that I think we can break this down into, so we've got past experience, current circumstance. The third thing is this. Is this decision wise for me based upon my future hopes and dreams? Say that with me. Is this decision wise for me based on my future hopes and dreams? I think all of us in the room today are probably old enough to, at some point in our life, given up on a hope or a dream. Would you agree with that? Just pop up your hand if you'd agree with that. Yeah, a lot of us have given up on a hope or a dream. And the reality, guys, is one of the most tragic things in life is that we give up something in our future for something in the right now that will never make it to our future. Think about that. We give up something permanent and good and down the road for something that feels good in the moment. And that's kind of just the cultural standard we live in America, a place where everything is, I want it and I want it now. I want to feel good now. I want the best job now. I want the relationship now. But what happens is you get the 17-year-olds who decide that they're not going to wait till marriage and they have a baby and their life is filled with pain and heartache. They wanted the now instead of the down the road. Or you get the person who gives up on a hope or a dream for the future because they make a decision in a moment of apathy to quit college and they're working a desk job that doesn't give them any joy. You know, one of those stories might be you, but I'm sure there's a plethora of other stories of moments where we've given up things in our future for a moment of feeling good, a moment of temporary relief. And really, that um, attitude is just a foreshadowing of our spiritual life. You know, so often we'll give up the eternal. We'll give up the promises that God has for us of storing treasure in the kingdom for things that feel good on this lifetime. 
You know, Scripture's clear that life is but a vapor, but yet so often we work our butts off to fill our kingdom. That's just a kingdom of dust. Instead of storing our treasures in heaven, instead of doing things that matter and are intentional, So if I can say one thing from the pulpit as we look at making wise decisions and using this as sort of a filter, as looking at a group of people in the church of Ephesus who were getting it wrong and Paul was trying to help get it right, I just want to say this. Nobody wakes up one morning and says, you know what, I think today I'm going to screw up my life. You don't plan to mess up your life. If you do, you have something wrong with you. We can talk after service. But I don't think people plan to mess up their life. But you know what we do? We don't plan not to. Think about that. Too often we don't plan not to. Too often we don't have boundaries. We don't have things that we go to in circumstances and situations. We don't have protocol. We don't have a way to get to where we want to be. And so we make these impulsive decisions that lead us to a place that we don't want to be. We have a guide in the book of Ephesians. We have a filter We have a way of knowing if this decision is going to be wise. And ignorance is not going to be an excuse on Judgment Day. You know, one thing that Canada taught me, first off, is that I hate Canada. (laughs) But the second thing it taught me was this. When we were sitting in that uh, immigration office, Tyler was shaking, I was shaking, I started thinking, I feel so sick to my stomach right now. You know? One thing, one document is keeping me from going home. And, you know, I made the excuse, well, I just didn't know. But reality is, common sense says you don't go to another country without a passport. See, the same is true on a much grander scale. There's going to be a time on Judgment Day, and it says in the book of Revelation that every knee shall bow, meaning that every person in the world will know who their creator is. But there's going to be people who came unprepared who have used ignorance as an excuse saying, I just didn't know. But everything around them told them. And that sick feeling that I had in my gut of not being able to come home is going to be so much worse for them because they aren't going to be allowed to come home. So I think God gave me that experience to put a burning in my heart for the lost because it's so easy to become apathetic. It's so easy for our life to look like children of the darkness instead of children of the light reaching lost souls And so my question for you is this. Are you willing to ask it? Are you willing to ask the question, is this decision wise for me? You know, there might be a person in the room, multiple people, who have never come to know God as their personal Savior. And so try to run it through the standard right now while you're sitting here. Based on my past circumstances, well, maybe this is you. I live my life broken and defeated, bound by chains of my sin, whether it's addiction these painful memories that I can't escape, feeling like I was unworthy, unqualified, unredeemable based on my current circumstance. I have no one in my life. I'm so lost, I don't know what to do. Based on my future hopes and dreams. I don't want to be alone. I know that there's something after this and I don't know what it is and I don't want to be lost forever. Would you ask the question, what's my wise decision based on those things? Maybe for you today, it's saying, you know what, God, I need you. You know, there's a a saying out on our sign that says, God's not afraid of your questions. And actually, I believe that God encourages us to ask questions. That's why I like the series, is because it's encouraging us to ask this question as a filter. 
But maybe you're in this place and you have lots of questions. First off, I want you to know that you can be comfortable asking them. That's why God gave us Thomas in the Bible, I think. You see, God made himself tangible for Thomas when he was doubting. He said, touch my wounds. God will do the same thing for you if you're filled with doubt and questions this morning. If you just ask. If you just ask. Maybe for you, you're in this room, and this is a place where we can be real, be loved and belong. And so I want to be real with you here for a second. Maybe this is a place where you've been here some. Sometimes you just feel like sleeping in. Or maybe you've stopped yourself from coming regularly because of circumstances, because of things going on, because of differences of opinion, because of what man has done or said or or things like that, and you've forgotten what church is supposed to be all about. Would you filter it through this question based on my past experiences? Well, my church has always been a place where it was a family. God blessed me with this church, and he's continuing to bless this church and the people in it, and he brought this church together for a reason and a purpose. Second thing, based on my current circumstances, guys, I think we can all look around this room right now and see brothers and sisters who want to know you intimately, who want to hold you accountable, who you can call at 2 a.m. in the morning if you need them. People that God put in your life on purpose, not on accident. Your family. Based on your hopes for a future. We're not meant to do life alone, guys. We're meant to do life in genuine community. And I don't know about you, but I want to be on the train that this church is on, furthering the kingdom of the gospel. Furthering the kingdom of God. And so maybe for you, you need to filter yourself today with that question. What's the wise decision based on those things for me when it comes to coming to church? When it comes to being a Christian? Or the numbers of other questions you have in the day? Would you pray with me? God, we just want to thank you today for who you are. God, we know that we have doubts. And sometimes we have so many questions. And Lord, it's so easy for us to make unwise, impulsive decisions, to leave you in our back pocket instead of going to you for guidance. I know so many times in my life, my mom and my dad have have tried to, to give me guidance, and I've ignored them because I thought my way was better. And so the same is true with you. So God, right now, I just ask that you would forgive us when we do that. But God, I want to thank you for the fact that you constantly are there to guide us, even when we turn our backs on you. And it's never too late to start asking questions. It's never too late to start getting it right. So God, right now, I want to pray for every person in this room. I want to pray that we no longer use ignorance as an excuse. I want to pray that we cling to your truths of what is right and what is wrong, and we stand firm in the faith. God, I want to pray that we can come together as a church to support each other, to love each other, to be there for each other and to walk with each other. God, as we continue through this sermon series, looking at these questions and looking at seeking what wise decisions are, may we constantly make the wise choice that pleases you and honors you and brings glory to your name. God, if there's a person in this room who've never made that decision, who's never decided to say, you know what, I need you in my life, God, would you help them get there tonight? We saw a man who was completely on the opposite side of the kingdom, could not be farther from it, killing Christians, your children. 
And sure, there were people who were skeptical when he came to know you. Sure, there were people who said, no, you're that guy that was broken. I know you. You hurt me. But God, you used him in a mighty way. And so would you remind us of that in this place? And if there's a person who is hurting and broken and beaten down and feeling completely unworthy, would you tell them that you want to name them redeemed and child of the one true king and that they are loved? And God, I feel it right now that there's burden in this room. And so Lord, we just want to lay down every burden to you. Would you just take it from us? God, you say, all who are weary and heavy burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. Lord, thank you for giving us rest this morning. God, we are so grateful for who you are. May you keep working in this church as we seek your face and we start trying to make wise decisions for you. In Jesus' name we pray.